Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. But this is part two on the mystery of God, okay? So first out, what we saw last week, and I'm not going back there for longer than about 20 seconds, but what we saw last week was that Jesus said, when Peter said, you are the Christ, Lord Jesus said, flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you. This was Matthew 16. But my Father which is in heaven. And on that rock of revelation, I will build my church. So two things came through there for the first time. Jesus was acknowledged as Messiah. Okay, Christos. What does that mean? Messiah in Hebrew, Christos in the Greek, both mean the same thing. The anointed one. And the anointed one was expected that the, the Hebrew imagery for that is that there would be a rubbing of oil into. There would be, and, and it was, you know, the, the, the natural meaning of the word was something to do with the, the sheep and, and rubbing into their, um, um, what do you call it, pelts, you know? And so that anointing, now we, we know the anointing. We all know the anointing living within us, 1 John 4, 1 John 2, Amen. And so we know that anointing. We know when that anointing gets released from us. We know more that when the anointing comes in the middle of the praise and worship in the congregation, we expect it then. What if he wants to anoint us right now? What are you going to do about it? Hey? Everything we've done up to now, we've said glory. Let your glory come, Lord. Let your glory fall. And then we go away. <laughs> And we come back next week and we say, Lord, let your glory fall. (laughs) And the Lord says, you such a polite people. (laughs) Come here, let me rub the oil into you. (laughs) Amen. Are you positioning yourself right now to receive the rubbing of the oil of the anointing? On your hearts and on your lives. Eh? Oh, Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are glorious. Eh? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So, again, where are we going to begin? We're going to begin in Isaiah. David's testimony was incredible this morning. Um, I am so grateful that he shared it with us. Um, He could have just kept it to himself and said, Lord, thank you for your unveiling, um, you know, uh, understanding and revelation to my heart. But he didn't, guys. He came and shared it with us. And, And when he shared it upstairs, I said to him, David, we've got to start church with that because that's going to help us all position ourselves. Amen. So I want you to come to Isaiah chapter 51. We're going to start there. And um, I'm, I'm, we're, going to, we're going to hop a bit, but I'm, I'm getting to a point, okay? So we're still looking at Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the head of the ecclesia. That was the word that was recorded 
from Jesus' statement, upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church. In the Greek, it's ecclesia, the gathered, called out ones, whether you're called out here, whether you're called out up there in heaven, heaven and on earth, you know, interchangeably, here are the called out ones. Amen. And the Lord delights in us. And what did we say last week? We said, straight out of Galatians chapter uh, 2, 3, where it says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Amen. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. And, you know, we expect that Israel will tell us about the God of Israel and the amazing testimony of God's intervention. And, and, you know, years ago, some of you weren't born yet. Some of you, that's, that's quite, um, <laughs> that's quite optimistic, actually. A lot of you weren't born yet. <laughs> but I think it was, now I've written it down because it made such an impression on me and God reminded me of it. So 1976, okay. So quite a lot of you were still around at that point, weren't you? Some of you were babies. Okay, but some of you weren't born yet, I understand. So 1976, um, a jet, you know, Boeing, I think, I can't remember, but a, a jet, okay, full of passengers, got hijacked. So it was going from Tel Aviv to Paris, and it got hijacked by the Palestinians. And all of the people were taken hostage and they went to Libya, I think they went to Athens as well to refuel, or it was when they were, I don't know, but it got hijacked and it did, got hijacked and it first went to Athens for refueling, then it went to Libya and then it went to Entebbe in uh, Uganda, yeah, and when it was in Entebbe, there was a lot of negotiation going on and people were, um, you can imagine, Israel was desperate. There were some Parisian people on the plane um, there was a British person, I think, but the majority were actually Israelis. They were Jews, okay? And, the, you know, I, I remember Golda Meir. Now I'm going back to 1967, so even less of you were around then. But I remember Golda, Golda Meir saying, they, they interviewed the uh, president of Egypt, and they said, in this war between Egypt and Israel, how many, how many soldiers are you um, prepared to sacrifice? And he gave a figure. And then they spoke to Golda Meir, who was the Prime Minister of Israel at that time, and they said, how many soldiers are you prepared to sacrifice? And she said, none. So when a whole plane load of Israeli people had been hijacked, there was intent from the government of Israel. And guys, the um, Secret Service got going. Um, there's a whole long story. But the God of Israel anointed his people based on their faith in the Old Covenant... He anointed his people, and they raided the Entebbe airport, and of the 106 hostages, 102 were saved. Three died in crossfire, and one had had some problem and was in hospital, so was separate. But the rest were flown out. Now, the world had watched this being played out for a week or 10 days. I can't remember the exact timescale. But you know the joy in everybody's heart? The God of Israel had intervened, and his people had been saved. See, and at the minute, there are incredible miracles going on where this net that Israel launches when they know that there's an attack coming from their enemies, whether it's the north, the south, or the east, 
um, or the West. The moment that this net gets released, it thwarts the rockets. And apparently the enemies of Israel stand and watch their rockets going. So if it was from the, well, you, you over there. So there's the West. If it was from the West and the rockets were coming towards um, Israel, the net intervenes and the rockets go off course. And, and that is the incredible wisdom that God has given some of his people whose faith is in the old covenant. Their faith is in the God of the old covenant. And we expect the miracles. Now, why am I telling you this? Because I want to say to you that the expectation in God's heart, and this is the strategy that we've got to work to, is that God wants the testimony of the people of God to be the God of the church, the God of the ecclesia. Because the ecclesia is the Jews and the Gentiles who have acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Messiah, the anointed one. Amen. Amen. So we've got to stop this namby-pamby, you know, especially here, especially here in the UK, where everything is so politically correct, don't wear your cross to work and all this kind of stuff. Hey, God, we don't need to wear crosses to demonstrate that we are Christ. We let the Christ, the light of the anointed one, the light of his anointing, the rubbing of the oil, touch the atmospheres where we work and where we dwell and where we play. Amen. So in your gym, take the anointing of God. Amen. In your office, go and let that toxic atmosphere be changed by the anointing of Christ Jesus that is upon you. Amen. Oh, Lord, we love you. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, how we long for you to raise us up to be a people of such courage and zeal that, Lord, the enemy would see the Red Sea part and the people of the ecclesia unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Lord, being delivered out of and showing the way for this world that so desperately needs it. Amen. And Lord, I don't know why I'm preaching like this because it's not in my notes. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Okay, so let me try and get back on track. You know, God said to me, go and encourage my people for both weeks when I knew I was coming. And that's hard because then you don't have proper stuff to put your hand on, you know, and say, now here's the two-part series. So that's why I'm desperately saying, two-part series, part one, mystery of God, righteousness of Christ, (laughs) part two. But underlying it, God said, go and encourage my people. You, we are such a well-taught people. I, I don't know if we've had five or six teachers come up and share stuff this morning. We are really a church where the teaching um, gift has come through big time. Amen. All right, so, so what's God doing today? Well, Lord, help us. <laughs> So Isaiah chapter 51, which completely ties in 
with what the Lord put in my heart and what David has experienced during the week. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. Isn't that key? Position yourself to pursue righteousness. You who seek the Lord, look to the rock from whom you are hewn. And we know that Jesus Christ is our rock. He's the creator of the universe, guys. He took the rock that was going to be the earth and he gave it form and shape. Amen. Look to the quarry from which you were dug. You know, dust is what Adam was made from. Look to Abram, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. And I want to leave it there, okay? So now I want to take you, in the context of that, to Isaiah, because we can't be in Isaiah without moving around the scriptures a bit, you know. So let's go to Isaiah 61. And see, Isaiah 61, see, now I want you to see the concept of the unveiling revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay? So when Jesus was upon the earth, even when he was 13, he was busy giving the scribes, the teachers of that day, headaches because he was at the temple asking them questions that they couldn't answer. Okay? So what happens when you've got a question and you think, God, this is such a hard question. I can't get the right answer from, I don't know, the leaders, the, whoever you would normally go to. And guys, I've said it to you before. If there is a question that you can't get answered straight away, present it to the Lord and say, Father, I'm having trouble with this one. Please, can you help me? Because the Lord brings the answer. Sometimes it's instantaneous. Sometimes it takes till you're next alone with God. That might be your quiet time tomorrow. Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes we have to grow. Our hearts have to grow so that when the answer comes, our hearts are big enough to understand it. See, so I'm comfortable with the fact that there's certain things where I've got questions out there where I haven't had the answers yet because my heart is being enlarged to hear what the answers are. See, I saw something very sad happening years and years and years and years ago. We, we had an evangelist friend. He was such a hot evangelist. He would get people saved just like that. And he would move around, small towns, for example. And you know, you get your scriptures pat for evangelism. Even if you're not an evangelist, you still got to have scriptures because people are not going to be persuaded by you. They're going to be persuaded by the word and by the anointing on the word, amen, and by your testimony. Never forget your testimony. Amen. Because what Christ has done in you, nobody can take away from you. They might take away your Bible. They might take away the fact that you can go and join the rest of the ecclesia. I'm thinking of people who are martyrs, you know. But they can never take away the testimony of what Christ has done in your heart from you. And so when it comes to a hard discussion and they start showing you that you really don't have the logic to pursue the discussion... What the Lord has done in your heart is your testimony, and you share that. And they might not agree with you, but they'll take it away, and they'll think about it. And so, you know, that is just so critical. So Isaiah 61, 
to me, represents that scripture where Jesus, right at the beginning of his ministry, went into that synagogue, and it was his turn to read the scriptures. And, uh, you know, he went and he was, he, he took the scroll and he found Isaiah 61. I don't know if that was the scripture that they were going to read that day. You know, the way God works miracles, it could well have been. And, and he read it out. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And why was that of such incredible significance? Because everybody knew that that was a scripture that related to Messiah. And so when Jesus read this out, and, and you know it so well, I don't even need to read the whole scripture. But, you know, there, there was the scripture to, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the um, prisoners, um, to comfort those who mourn. I think I said that. Um, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes. So instead of a, um, you know, the, 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 the sadness of mourning, and sometimes it's that somebody has died, but sometimes it's a broken relationship. Yeah, and, and whatever the mourning is about, sometimes it's a career that's gone down the chutes. You know? Whatever the mourning is about, God has a remedy, and that remedy is his joy. You know? I mean, after all the preparation, this morning I woke up and I thought, God, I've got no joy. You know? and, and now, so what's the remedy? Am I going to go into a state of depression? No! You put on the garment of praise. For the spirit of heaviness, you know? And so that's what that next bit does. You see, it says that. And then, um, but guys, I want to bring you down to the end of that, because that whole chapter is beautiful. But I want you to bring, I want to bring you down to verse 10. Oh, the Lord is speaking. Um, and <laughs> it was a lovely melody. Nice little riff. <laughs> Maybe the beat wasn't right. And then verse 10, I will rejoice. Do you sing that one? Greatly in my God. No, we don't sing that one. It's an old one. Okay. The scripture is right. Okay. My soul will exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness. I will rejoice greatly in my God. My soul will exult in my King. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has given me the robe of righteousness. Okay, so I admit that when I sing, I'm two octaves below everybody else, but God, my heart is merry. <laughs> Hallelujah. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take what Isaiah said. We're going to look to the rock from which we are hewn. We're going to look to our father Abram. Is he our father in the natural? No, unless you're Jewish. Okay. He is our father because of our faith in Christ Jesus. Our faith in God as he had faith in God. Amen. So you know these stories. And, um, but I'm still going to show you something because I discovered something and I got so excited about this. This was about four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago. I just got so excited. And I thought, Lord, that's what you want me to share. And then because I'm out of my comfort zone, guys, it's a, so it could be so easy to go back to something that is cool for me. 
but it, the, the, I've got to share this. I've got to share it. Okay. So come to Romans. And I know that Pastor Rod takes us through Romans and he really gives us all sorts of understanding. Okay. But I want you to come to chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. And this is a scripture that we all know so, so well. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, says Paul, for in it the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, in it is, to the Jew first and to the Greek. And I want you to see to the Jew first and to the Gentile, okay? Because it was the Jewish people who had the gospel preached to them first by Jesus, okay? And he said, remember with the woman at Sidon, he said, I have been sent to um, speak to the Jews and to deliver miracles to the Jews. And that was when she said, but Lord, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. And even if we just get the crumbs from under the table as a Gentile, because Gentiles were called dogs, you know that. So, you know, and, and he said, because of your faith. And so that woman was gloriously transformed and her daughter was gloriously healed. Amen. And so um, just absolutely amazing. Um, so when you see Greek often in the um, scripture, think Gentile, because I'm wanting you to get that whole concept of the ecclesia is the Jews and the Gentiles that have put their faith in Christ. Amen. Not Israel in the church. No. The ecclesia or church is the Jews and the Gentiles. Okay. Okay. Because there's all sorts of theologies and books written and all the rest of it. Don't go down that route. The major is where's your faith? Is your faith in Christ? Amen. And then we're the ecclesia. That's to be simple, guys. Be simple. Take the scriptures and believe them. Okay. All right. So he's not ashamed, says Paul. For in the gospel, verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So there's a whole lot of stuff in there. For as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. And remember modern um, Luther, when he was on those steps, he suddenly remembered the scriptures from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. He remembered the scripture. And I don't know if he remembered it from Habakkuk or from Romans chapter 1, but he, he was so completely, uh, the revelation of Christ was just so great to him at that point that forever after that, he preached it as, you know, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to um, faith alone. The righteous man shall live by faith alone. He added that, okay, because he just wanted them to see it, you know. And, and, but I want you to see that dynamic because I got that scripture a little bit um, tongue-tied there. The dynamic is from faith to faith. Okay, so I'll, I'll come back to that, I hope. Um, not to that scripture. I just want you to remember it. We haven't had time to come back to that scripture. So now I want you to go to chapter 4, because this is the one we know, all know about um, uh, Abram. Okay. And he says here, um, chapter 4, verse 3, what does scripture say? Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And up there it says it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. 
Now, this is one of those funny things where the Greek have got two words that get translated into English similarly. And so it is the, um, the reckoned, um, the word is, hang on, I've got the word written out properly here in the Greek, um, because I know it's going to have such an impact on you. <laughs> okay, but really what it is uh, for reckoned um, is legitimai. See, so you can hear the Greek word legitimai, from that's going to come logic and the reckoning. So it was reckoned. Do you know what I mean? Like counting, accounting, where you've got your, you know, your costs and your, um, and your, your um, benefits, you know, and you're looking at the two and saying, you know, what's the profit over all? And so that reckoning, okay? And righteousness is equity. See, so, okay, so now, now you're all starting to get the glazed look. Okay, now wait, 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 wait. Don't go glazed. Don't go glazed on me. Because I want you to see verse 5. To the one who doesn't work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, this faith is credited to him as righteousness. Now we get this word imputed coming through. It's a big word, huh? Not big in length, but it's a big word in terms of meaning. And that imputed is the legitimai where it's reckoned to, accounted as righteousness. So if you believe, it gets accounted to you as righteousness. So think of a scale, okay, with the old-fashioned scale with the two little pans, okay? Belief, boom, righteousness, okay? So that's quite a handy way of kind of thinking about it, okay? But I began to say, okay, Father, um, you know, the whole chapter is full of this. Verse 20, with respect to the promise of God, Abram did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, just remember that that was one of the scriptures Pete used to hang on to, you know, in terms of your promises, oh God, you know, and being fully assured by God that what was promised was God was going to perform. Therefore, it was imputed. Don't look at what it says up there. The word is imputed. It was reckoned to him. It was imputed as righteousness. Okay. And, um, you know, and it goes on and we get justified by our faith. Okay. So I'm dealing with something that you know well. Believing what God shows you will cause your faith to arise. And therefore, it will be imputed to you as righteousness. So now, I, four or five weeks ago, I was thinking about it and I was thinking, God, that sounds so clinical. It was imputed, legitimai, you know? It's, it's so clinical. I wanted more relationship out of it. So now I thought about how Lord Jesus, to understand what his destiny was in God, he would go to the scriptures. Go to the leaders, they couldn't give him the answer, so he'd go to the scriptures and then he'd go to God. And he realized that he and Father had this incredible relationship. Sorry, Lord, I might be simplifying, uh, simple, simplifying it too much. But Father and Jesus, two parts of the Trinity, see? Father and Jesus, okay. And um, I decided I was going to go and look at whether this word imputed 
was also in the Old Testament. And David uses it in Psalm 32. But he's talking about sin. And Lord, don't let the sin be imputed to us. Okay? I got very interested. So I looked up the word imputed in Hebrew, because now I had a handle. I could get a hold of it. And it means plaited. I got the joy bells. Because if righteousness is plaited into us, it's not just the scale. Amen? It's not just our saying, Lord, you come and you dwell within us by your Holy Spirit. But we're saying, God comes and plaits himself into our lives. And now we've got relationship. And I just began to just rejoice in the Lord. Because, guys, every one of us here who has committed our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, that righteousness that we receive by the grace of God that becomes a part of us as the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. Remember how Lord Jesus, when he was in that resurrected state, had the disciples, it's recorded in John 20, he had the disciples in 21 in that room, and he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? And they breathed in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, we're not just talking this breathing in, which we have when we first come to know God, but what he is saying is, I am plaiting myself into you, if that's what you desire. So now we're back in Isaiah 51. Where is your hunger for righteousness? And then we start to see the cycle beginning to get going, guys, where we have faith to ask God for revelation. He gives us revelation. We believe it gets imputed or plaited into our lives as righteousness. And now we are changed and transformed. Because when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and is so much a part of our lives that he is plaited into our lives. You know, I just immediately began to see the DNA um, uh, structure of the chromosomes. You know, where, where you see the, the double strand. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of felt as if God, it's like that three, you know, strand of three chords that Ecclesiastes speaks of, where, where you know, you've, we've got our natural, we've got chromosomes from our mom, chromosomes from our dad, and now we've got the strand of Christ plaited into our lives. Woo! Amen. I've just got so excited. So excited because we expect transformation in our lives based on the fact that we are Christ's. Amen? He's our head. And, oh, Jesus, we just love you so much. Your grace is just amazing, Lord. So what do we do with it? Okay, I, I just know that I've, I want to take you to Romans 10 because I am, after all, one of those who does have the gift of teaching. So I've got to just, you know, <laughs> Lord, please just give me a bit of grace here. So Romans chapter 10. This is such a beautiful chapter. But we're picking up one or two verses, three or four, to be honest. Okay. So I want you to look at this, verse 6. The righteousness based on faith, 
speaks thus. Go down to verse 8. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is this word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. Isn't it beautiful that every time that we find salvation and righteousness together, we get the joy. Whoa. No? And verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Is there a distinction between Jews and Greeks? No. He's Lord of all. Verse 13, and I love this one, for bringing people into the world, into the world, into the world of Christ, into the kingdom of God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And that comes straight out of Hosea where it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. See, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And if there's anything left over from the kingdom of darkness, he will deliver you from that as well. (laughs) Yay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. And then we go down to verse 17. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. And so, you know, we can't base our faith on experience alone. I've got so much more to share, but the Lord says that's enough. So where are we going with this? I, um, I know that God's expectation of me is that I stick my faith out and believe in his word. And his word says... That his people are his glory. Because they will carry the glory of God and demonstrate it to the world. So we're going to stand to our feet now. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 